Welcome everyone to the second episode of Frankly Podcast, your place for all things life stories and diversity. So with us today, our second guest, we have Jonathan Miller. Jonathan graduated from the University of Leeds with a degree in Spanish and Portuguese. He's a committee member of Kids Out, a charity which gives disadvantaged children positive experiences to support them becoming future members of society and the workforce. He's a director of the Birmingham Food Council, a co-founder of the Black Leaders Network, and a senior manager in the insurance industry and future sales director and executive board member. Welcome to the podcast, John. Welcome. Thank you, Francesca. That uh, um, makes it sound a lot when you put it like that, in fairness. <laughs> Thank you very much. You were very, um, as we were saying just before we began, that you've had a lot of experience. Um, you obviously have a lot of charity experience. And I know that from you know, working with you previously, that you're very interested in all things diversity, volunteering work, and what that can really bring to the community and also the people that sort of will follow us. So follow us in, not only into the insurance industry and STEM, but in, in the wider community as well. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. So great. So I guess to start, um, take us back to the beginning. So um, <laughs> in terms of insurance, um, it's a very sort of, I guess it's a very niche industry in the sense that, you know, people come into that industry you know with background in finance background in stem sometimes but what really brought you into the the industry and sort of beforehand as well i said it's it's a good question in terms of beforehand so before i was i was um uh, i did uh, a degree spanish and portuguese i went to a an all boys grammar school which is uh, about as far away as you get from diversity as, you, as possible really um but but a, you know a fantastic place to, uh, to to learn and to grow up um and i like most people i i did i hate this phrase but i did fall into the insurance industry so i was looking for something after graduating that was you know i was always always interested in in how businesses work and working with businesses and those sorts of things thought about law thought about accountancy didn't really want to do any more exams um although uh, when I got the job at uh, the business called Alexander Forbes, which was a South African business, which has actually now been bought and gone to something else, um, it was uh, it, it gave me a great opportunity then to, to go in at a graduate level to do two years of of training in a, an industry that allow us allow me to to work with other businesses. And the thing that the thing that really caught my eye was that the uh, the people that I was working for and working with at Forbes were talking to senior leaders of businesses at a at a really early age. Um, which um which which was really appealing to me so I, I went for the I went into that um and it was a you know fantastic couple of years at uh, Forbes we moved on again um so yeah that was the key thing really it was getting into you know a, a graduate position that allowed me to uh to uh, to learn more about the, you know the world of work and businesses and those sorts of things the kind of things I was interested in excellent thank you and you mentioned your your graduate position sort of Take us back to when you were choosing your degree, because um, Spanish and Portuguese, two very beautiful languages, but also very different, <laughs> some say very similar. What made you go down that path? And was it something that you'd always planned on, say, from early in life? No, I think uh, I, uh, planning, as we'll probably get on to, I don't do very much planning. Um, so my career path is not one that I thought, right, by this age, I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this. And, you know, I didn't have those sorts of milestones in. Uh, in mind and it was the same with the, the the degree and it was it was more of a case of what I really enjoy doing I suppose the three things I really enjoyed at, at school um, were English and reading loved you know the English language and literature side of things and I did th think first of doing an English and Spanish degree then Spanish as well languages 
um, loved Spain, had been to to visit um, uh, on many occasions and exchanges as well, which, you know, in terms of learning about diversity in different cultures and how, how people live and all those sorts of things, you know, going away for two stints in um, in Madrid, I think it was, was was an eye-opener for me, a fantastic way to, to learn more about, about other cultures. Um, and then the other thing was economics. Economics was the other thing that I really enjoyed doing, did have A-level. So it was a case of, right, which ones of those could I get the most out of in, in my degree. I didn't have a plan of what I was going to do afterwards, just what I wanted to do for those uh, for those three to four years at, at Leeds University. Uh, and so went down the the uh, Spanish and Portuguese route because also did a lot of literature within within that quite broad spectrum. So that was the main thing. And I also got to spend a year of my life in Brazil, which was was very appealing <laughs> to, uh, to somebody like me who likes to travel. Of course, yeah. And I think lots of people myself included, reference that sort of year abroad, year abroad term abroad. And um, it's mm. really setting them up for life in terms of, that's probably the first time outside of university that you've you know, lived on your own in, in a different culture. And when you come back, say to the UK and you go back to university to you know, finish out your degree or even just move into a graduate job, you're sort of well prepared in terms of, you know, you've had that, that experience of having mm. to survive in a completely different environment and you've sent to yourself yeah I mean I think it's you know there was the experience that we had in Brazil I mean we were supposed to be there so me and the other people who were went out there as part of their degree as well we were supposed to be there to, to spend a year at university but Brazil being Brazil the university was on strike for six months of the 12 or something like that so we had to go and find our own things to do so we did a lot of traveling uh, did went to the to the Amazon, uh, which was a talking about harsh environments. That was that's quite an interesting place to go when you're uh, when you're 19, 20 years old, um, and from Birmingham. Then we had uh, we also had you know we needed to, to fill our days with things. So we we had um, some of us taught today at a at a private English school essentially, um, which we came in and out of, which was you know shows you the the sort of uh, the the dichotomy of Brazil. There are you know lots of very wealthy people in the country, and then obviously lots of very poor people. And on on that side, um, you know, I volunteered for something called Meninas Oro, which is a um, a street a street kids school basically. So kids who are, are orphans and you know live hand to mouth on the streets essentially, but had this organisation to give them some uh, some semblance of uh, of, uh, of normality of education. Um, I remember trying to teach them how to play cricket on the beach while they were teaching me how to play football properly on the beach and those sorts of things, but also just giving them some um, uh, some experiences from from ourselves. So it's a real a real eye opener in terms of you know how other people's lives are, are led. Exactly, yeah, and sort of experiencing new cultures and new places as mm. well. So. Take me back to the decision to to study in Brazil. Was that something that you had to do, or did you choose it, and and why? Oh, very much a choice. So, at least at the time, you could have. So I could have either done a year in Spain, and I ended up doing three months in Spain in Granada, um, which was uh, at a, a university there, which is great fun. Um, in the sort of summer of. 2000 or yeah summer of 2001 I think that was um but the you know or you could so you could do a year in Spain or you could do a uh and work or or go to university or you could do a year in a Portuguese speaking country because I've I've doing Portuguese of course but Brazil was such you know and the the I suppose the 
the attraction to me was it's just the more exotic choice. You know, Brazil, if you've got a choice between Brazil, Spain and Portugal, uh, you know, that was the one that, that had the most uh, appeal to me in terms of the, the breadth, the size, the, the culture that you can, you, know, you can expose yourself to in, in Brazil was, um, was something that, that I really wanted to do. Um, and, you know, and for me, it was the, you know, still to this day, one of the best choices I've made in terms of my education, because I probably learned more from, from that year than I did from the rest of the degree in many ways. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. That was why. Yeah, I think that that resonates with a lot of people that have either travelled during their university degree or gone travelling beforehand or after afterwards and just to pick up skills and, as I said, sort of prove to themselves that they can do it, do it on their own. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just just to give yourself to test yourself, to see, you know, what what can I survive in, in this in this sort of environment? Do what it was. I mean, you know, we were well looked after. Um, it's not as if they just dropped us in Brazil and said, you know, fend for yourself. But it was it was you just learned so much from the people that you met and the the ways it was it's it's and Brazil especially because it's such a multicultural country coming from what I thought was a multicultural country in in, uh, in the UK which it is you know especially in Birmingham um, to the real the real truly melting pot of Brazil was uh, was a really interesting to see how how that worked they still have their issues there similar issues to to um, to the rest of the, the planet in terms of you know the economic strata does have a, uh, have a color grading to it which you know would be familiar to, to, to most others um, but you know, a a wonderful, wonderful place to uh, to visit. Brilliant. To live. Yeah. Mm. Sounds it really does. So, I guess moving on to the next the next phase of your life. Um, you said that going to Brazil was probably one of the best decisions you made in your academia. How did that transfer into the workplace, and what skills that you sort of either learnt or developed in Brazil were really useful in the workplace? Yeah, I think language to start because you start without being able to communicate with the people that you want to you know you, you, in terms of learning a language and you find ways of doing so as this is your skill improves to the point where you can have you know that proper conversation in that language for me Spanish and Portuguese with you know anybody from um from from the Latin world now you know in terms of when you're working with other people when you're working with or you're looking to work with other people communication skills are, are massively important hugely important um, and communication skills are, are even more important when you're not sure, you know, of the um, exactly what the, the person you're you're talking to or, or trying to communicate with, you know, where they're from, what they're about, you know, how they like to be to, to, to be spoken to, all those sorts of things. So when you're in that, when you're trying to get to a, a common ground with somebody, that process is something that you know, being in a foreign country in a foreign culture helps you to gives you the skills to uh, to. Uh, to be able to uh, take on those challenges in the workplace. And I think that's the, that's, that's the biggest thing I took out of it, really. You know, the language, yes, the actual technical ability to speak to those people, great. But the ability to, to know that, that even if you, you, you know, you, you, that, that bit of fear that you might have to start with when you don't know how to, um, to get across to, to people in a, in a different environment, and the work environment is, is certainly one of those, is that it gives you the confidence to be able to know that you can get there and to be able to, you know, those skills to actually break down those barriers and, and, um, and get to a common ground with anybody. Exactly, yeah, definitely. And they say that sort of language is very, very important. Um, but also, you know, body language and, you know, it's the soft, the soft signals. I think that working in the same industry, I think that's one thing that I've learned 
um, over the yeah, last absolutely. few years. You can... and I mean, soft skills is a really interesting way of putting it because they're not, they're, they're key skills, those <laughs> things are. Um, and you're absolutely right, that sort of body language piece, you know, if you, if you what is it, 96% is of, of communication is, is nonverbal. Um, and when you're speaking to somebody who doesn't speak your language, you get very attuned to the fact that the, you, you can communicate pretty well without actually having those language skills in the, it, when, you, when you don't have them. Um, and when you have them, it's the icing on the cake. So that, that ability to do that, I think, stood me in a very, in very good stead. You know, when you're sat in, in uh, walking to the insurance industry, know nothing about insurance, know nothing really about the world of work, but you've got, an, you've got, a, you've got a, a framework of how to communicate with people to, you know, to learn and to get better and to, and to push on. Sure, yeah, definitely understand that and definitely agree. So I guess going into your first ever role after university, um, something that I think a lot of our listeners will, will experience. So, you know, you've gone to your I don't know, induction, you've seen all the other graduates, and then you're sat down at your desk. <laughs> what's, <laughs> sort of, what's going through your head? Are you thinking, right, I'm, I'm here and this is where I want to be in two years or, you know, this is what I want to do? I mean, so I think one of the things that, that probably needs to, there's a, there's a bit, there is something that happened between me going to Brazil and me starting work. So I went to Brazil in 2001, started work in 2003, um, and, and I became a father in 2003. So at the same time that I was going into the workplace. So for those of you that are going into the workplace, um, uh, you know, the, the, I, I had that. And then also the, the responsibility of me and my, uh, and my now wife, as to you know the fact that we had this child to raise who is now 17 um so it, that was it was that was i suppose my overriding thought was you know john try not to mess up your child <laughs> try not to mess up your daughter <laughs> that was kind of the the key thing and make sure that you know you've got what's required to to support the family that was that was kind of it and for you know if i'm honest for the first three years of my career maybe four um, that was the that was the key thing. It wasn't so much focusing on where am I going to be in in in, and I'm I'm terrible at that anyway, and terrible at those sorts of plans and making sure right and having those goals and doing those things. I mean, every job I've had pretty much in my career in in terms of promotion didn't really exist until I started doing it. Um, so that's the that's that's what was going through my head. It's right, okay, let's give this a proper good go. Let's you know this is a, a good opportunity to to learn you've got some good people around you um and then and then alexander Forbes. so i was i was hired by a fellow called nigel bartlett who was was great with me for those first two years um and we had a team the birmingham office of, of alexander Forbes at the time was uh, about 15 to 20 people a good half of the, the team left within I think three months of being there. So you've got this team that's all working with them. Want somebody to work with very closely, all enough to set up their own insurance broker. So you go from having this structured, John, you're going to do six months here, you know, with the with the accounts uh, account handling team, six months in sales, and all those sorts of things. That sort of plan gets thrown out of the window because it's all hands to the pump and keeping your clients and making sure that they are, you know, the, despite the the exodus that's happened, are. Um, are being looked after to, to keep the business together essentially you know it went from um a, a fairly standard sort of graduate position to right john it's all hands all hands on deck now let's make sure we keep uh, keep our business which we did um and that was a an extremely again a bit like 
you know going to brazil for a for a year that 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 sort of period of uh of um uh, of learning very very quickly was more useful probably than it would have been had they all stayed in i don't know a two-year sort of typical graduate apprentice program sure yeah i really get that in terms of in terms of that sort of rejig which must have happened quite fast especially for someone so I guess young in the company I guess that's probably one of the situations that I love to talk about on this podcast which is when things unexpected things happen that tends to be where you get the most growth because there's no there's no roadmap of what you have to do you just have to do it (laughs) it was happened it's my first it was the first Christmas party that I was there for when we found out so you can imagine the Christmas party was an interesting an interesting I'll never forget it um uh but you just you just throw yourself into it you just say okay um you know I carried on doing my uh my my so having said that you know wasn't really wanting to do more professional qualifications I did my professional qualification during this period and threw myself into that um and just and just sort of decided that this was a great opportunity to learn you know whilst these guys are really you know working hard to to serve their clients it's a case of right how do they do it how do they go about it you know how they talk to them what are their how do they and there was lots of obviously you know meetings and strategies of what we're going to do how we're going to do it um and to see people not so much me but to see others you know really take hold of this and decide how they're going to do it and pull together um and you know turn a challenge into a real opportunity for them was was great to see um and it was something that you know i i got to see firsthand at a very early age in my career um which suggests which i suppose you know showed me that yeah you're gonna have challenges in your career but you can overcome those by pulling together as a team bringing everyone together and leading them through so yeah it was a it was a um you know i just I wasn't 20, I was 22, 23 at the time. So it wasn't something that I was leading, but it was something that, that I could be part of. Sure, thank you. So I, I guess what was the next step after that? So you've proved to yourself that you can, you know, get your clients, um, serve your clients. What was the next step after after that yeah I mean I think it was a case of but it was it wasn't so much me proving that I could it was it was seeing how it was done because I didn't have any clients at this point um and but my role was always I always wanted to go into the sales side I always wanted to to to, to go out and, and you know help to win the win the new business and towards the end of my time there so I was at four to two years we'd started to do that and we started to see how that could work I mean crikey you know the amount that I've learned since is 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 frightening in terms of how much I didn't know at the time about how these sorts of things work and and how you you know how you you set up a um uh, uh you know a pitch or an opportunity and all those sorts of things and how you you know you really understand what 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 your client wants and uh, and what your clients um uh real core needs are and what they need from you all of those sorts of things were you know were to come um but it at that stage I just started to 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 try I suppose um realize what I didn't know you know what I needed to learn was the key thing so I knew then that okay if I'm going to be successful at this I need to do x y and z um and you know I need to find a way of doing that but at at the same time that business was changing because there was there was you know obviously we'd had an exodus of people then we had an influx of people once we you know stabilized it and obviously that changed matters um so you know at that stage it was when I decided to to move on to uh, to another pure sales role um at a company called willis for a year which was a which was a different challenge that was a case of okay it was kind of you know here's a list of businesses john go and make them willis clients 
Um, and that was a that was a really interesting year because it was kind of like, OK, I'm either going to sink or swim here. Basically, you know, I've learned, you know, I'm not a muckwin as a graduate anymore. You don't have that kind of that kind of leeway. They're expecting, you know, that financial result to happen. And it's then that I think and at this point, I'm still not sure whether or not I'm going to stay in the insurance industry at all um, or the insurance broking industry. Um, but this that year, I suppose, proved to myself that this is something that, that I could do. And those X, Y's and Z's that, that I knew I needed to learn were starting to come. You know, they weren't all there, but they were starting to come at this point. So, um, yeah, that was a not the most fun year of my of my career, but probably one of the most important, I think. Sure. Yeah, I think personally, I can resonate with that. After you finish being a graduate, you're sort of thrown into the deep end and it's like mm. perform. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. Kick gloves are off. Off you go. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. But there again, um, it's those experiences that make you grow and of course, there's going to be ups and downs. It's just making sure that the general trajectory is like upwards. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that, again, there was lots of support, but it was different. You know, it was a case of you, the resources. I mean, it's, you know, it's Willis still now, and I know they're about to go into Ion, but huge business with, with you know, lots of, um, lots of great people. And at this stage, it, I, I didn't have the confidence or feel I had access to those people. Um, for for you know various reasons, I, I just you know you felt like you were a a bit of an island within a um, with, within a you know within a business, but sort of almost annexed off because you knew all this stuff was there, but you didn't really feel you had the access to it, and that might have been a bit of self confidence. Um, it might have been um, you know the the culture of the business. Who knows? But you know that's 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 how I felt at the time. But still, but as I you know went through that that year those are the sorts of things the skills that you develop and a bit more confidence you get a you know a bit more experience to then be able to to start trying to see where you could get that help and it did come you know people are you know some people aren't very helpful but most people are and so it's you know building those internal relationships is something that you know later on my career is, is something that that i i think i i do quite well in terms of you know finding people within your own organization and and you know building relationships with them so that you can work together and achieve together um but at the time it was um, more theoretical than actual um but we um uh but yeah that was a that was a really really important year for those for those sorts of things really sure yeah excellent thank you so you touched on that you sort of helping people so i know that you're very very involved in your charity work and as you know that's something that i'm really really passionate about mm-hmm. is making sure that you know people that want to have a certain experience whether it be you know, don't know the corporate world um or you know owning their own business have the resources to get that information to make their decisions and just go forward in life mm. so you work with quite a few charities um i guess how did you start working with them and um just tell us a bit about them yeah, I think this is this is what this is. I always say yes to stuff. I think it's probably what it is, you know. Um, I, I'm fortunate that I get asked to do some very like this. I get asked to do some interesting things, and and generally speaking, I say yes. And that's always been kind of a um, uh, a uh, you know, if someone's going to come to you with an opportunity, you, you, you have to you have to really think of why you wouldn't do it. You know, it's because you know the th- these things always they they always generate other opportunities and, and other, and other um, uh, things that you can really get stuck into and make a difference. When I come from a family of 
teachers really so my brother's a teacher despite the fact he, he, he tried to be um an accountant for a while i knew he was going to be a teacher it's in him he's, he's, he's one of these and like my mother they they are they're just very good at sharing knowledge and information um my mother also worked for a was the was a director of a charity for a uh, for a good while as well uh, that's helping uh, young people so it's i think it's i think some of it's just in the blood and my wife's a teacher as well and uh, two of my best friends and you know the 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 charities that that i tend to get involved with um are, are you know are, are generally speaking around children education um and and support that those are the, and those things are just you know uh, of great interest to, to me personally so in terms of the of the kids out um that was through the so one of the things that that, that i started doing at jail too which is where i moved to after willis uh through my my good friend adrian lamaz who was my boss at the time um who was very keen on getting out and meeting people and speaking to people um and just understanding what that meant for you know for for, for one yes building our client base within uh, within jlt but also just you know broadening your mind about uh, about about the world essentially um and it's through that that lots of these things have happened so it was a a, a, a legal contact of ours a boyfriend that pulled me into kids out having been to a couple of their events and said look john we think you could you could add add something to this in terms of your network and your energy um and that's been that's been fantastic that charity is is, is brilliant Even, and this year has been so difficult because that's a charity that helps about thirty-five thousand uh children a year that have either survived um domestic abuse or have other challenges um and you can imagine that you know domestic abuse in a year of lockdown is is something that's that's you know, probably been was well, definitely been more um uh exacerbated than than in previous years and then in terms of the uh the black leaders network we just said it was very very young and it was i think it was a case that there was a lot of us within birmingham um you know black leaders in birmingham that thought you know where do where do you go to, to funnel some of the ideas thoughts challenges um and just the network of you know black leaders within within the city um so that's nascent but there'll be there'll be more things that, that come out from there and again just some wonderful people on on that um uh, uh that have co-founded that with us you know we've got people who've got obes you've got you know people who lead um their um, their practices and have done so for a while and have done some fantastic things so yeah I, it's just you know people ask and i say yes it's generally speaking is the short answer to that question because there are so many good things and i suppose the um the only challenge is making sure that you can give all to to give your all to each of them whilst doing your day job <laughs> excellent yeah thank you john and you touched on their diversity at board level which i think is quite quite interesting um so in terms of diversity i mean we've all seen the report that diverse teams are 35 percent more effective um and it's really it's essentially a, a catch-up game at the moment you know really yeah. identifying the leaders within the community from you know all aspects of the community to bring what they know to board level and hopefully have that filter down into the organization whilst also i'm sure networks are working bottom up to really get that, yes. that drive there what's the what's your opinion on on providing that diversity what do you think the benefits will be i mean mckinsey have done us a, a great favor by you know putting it on paper and I probably shouldn't you know 
publicise them, given our Oliver Wyman connections and and the competition there. But it's the, I suppose, you know, you've always, you've probably always thought this, you know, even before these reports started, that diverse organisations have more chance of getting better decisions because you have more um, points of view that you can throw into the mix to then be able to to make better decisions and the fact that this is now evidenced in in black and white in you know pounds shillings and pence just goes to to prove that that you know that the business case for diversity is 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 there it's you know it's it's been proven now but we still have this 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 lag effect of the fact that you know not all not all organizations are, are probably doing enough um and are, have, I don't know if they've got the message or don't know how to actually change the makeup of, of their organisations to, to bring this through. So, you know, for me, the benefits of diversity are, are clear from a, from a business point of view, but from a social point of view, it's, it's, even, it's even bigger. You know, having a, uh, you know, a mono sort of cultural hegemony is no good for anybody else with with you know a leading group of people and the rest marginalized does not make for a good society so you know if you've got you've got the business case you've got the societal case so we should be doing everything we can to to push this forward and you know and there are great examples of this and i think you know things like the me too movement and black lives matter have pushed these things into the uh, into the forefront there's a lot going on with asian americans as well at the moment in terms of you know what, what's been going on there and these were you know you hope that they you know through a lot of pain in each of those circumstances you know the, the closest one being to me the black lives matter might to george florida calls but you know out of that can come the impetus and the momentum to, to push from I mean, our organization has been a lot since that time to to try and push that forward um and lots of people within it but it's we want this to be something that that isn't even really a, a question really of why we should do it. It should just be part of everyday um, everyday work. What are we doing to um, at all levels from the board, senior management, middle management, um, office? What are we doing to to make sure that that our organisation is open, is inclusive, is diverse? You know, are we? You know, because if you're not, then you're missing a trick. Exactly, yeah, and it's that it's that piece where if you have more, you know, different cultures, different people, different backgrounds set around a table, then you're not just churning out the same conversation over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you find it all the time, um, especially in charity work, where you approach, you know, setting up an event in one way, and then you might get, say, I don't know, a teenager, someone young, who walks into the room and says, yeah, but we're not going to resonate with that because X, Y, Z. I mean, the other day it was because we use Snapchat, not, <laughs> not whatever. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, I have a 17-year-old and a 13-year-old, so I get this all the time. And, you know, they do, they do make you look at things again and think, hold on. And the thing that you go back to as a parent is, what was I doing at that time? Which is, which is a double-edged sword. Because one, you know, you're still looking at things through your own lens, um, you know, which the benefit of experience, of course, but things are moving on, you know, you know, teenage art, they are different today. They do have, they've had different influences in terms of social media and technology and those sorts of things. Um, and some of the social movements that have happened in, in the last sort of 10 to 15 years. So you do have to, so even as, you know, even in this house, the diversity has to be, you know, the inclusiveness has to be taken into, into account because, you know, that they will see things 
in a slightly different way and you have to take that on board certainly because you know 20 years time they'll be making all the decisions anyway so exactly yeah and just to to go in on that point they're exposed to so much more than even mm. I was at that time um mm. you know you can just pick up your phone and connect with someone that lives in I don't know LA someone that lives in Russia someone that lives in Spain mm. if you want to learn the language I'm sure there's an app out there where you just yeah. <laughs> we have one today so we walk it into, into our local local sort of town center and my nine-year-old says dad i know bees um uh are, are useful because they can you know they they transfer pollen from from one place to another i'm like yeah he goes what about wasps and i was like i have no idea and she goes give me your phone and so my nine-year-old opens up my phone yeah they do they do it by mistake but they transfer pollen and it's just that that when i was nine one, I wouldn't have asked the question um, at all. My nine-year-old is a lot brighter than I was when I was nine. Um, and two, you know, she knows how to get the answer straight away. And that's that's how she's grown up. You know, she knows that if she has a question, she can get it answered straight away. And those, those you know, slight differences in, that, well, big differences in, in how they're growing up will, you know, influence how they how they see the world. And and as you said before, you know, she could, she could have phoned up somebody on the other side of the world to ask that question. So it's it's that sort of, it just goes to show that you do have to continually be open and inclusive to understand that those other points of view can help you to make, you know, better decisions for a business case anyway. And the other thing about obviously diversity and inclusion is that you have to, people have to feel that they, uh, that they belong or, or have a voice or have, um, uh, feel that an organization is, is, is going to be right for them. You know, we've all seen the, um the reports on the numbers of especially ethnic minorities um when they in certain certain industries they don't last very long because they don't feel supported or don't feel that it's right for them or don't feel they can be themselves at, at work and that is the other side that's that's the thing that needs to be challenged you have to feel like you can bring yourself or you know as much of yourself as you possibly can uh, to the office um as or to the workplace as you possibly can and so i think that's that's the other side of it is making sure that you don't you know, waste that really useful human capital as well. I, I completely agree. I think I'm quite mostly fortunate so far in that, you know, places that I've worked, I've always been quite different, but I use it as a strength. Like, this mm. is how that this is how it's raised. Like, I'm not going to change it. So, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's like it's that you know I've spent a lot of time in London and 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 walking into London with my Brummie accent always makes me laugh because you know it's it's about as different as you can get. Um, but it's it's having that self confidence that you know that 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 what you've got is what you're about is going to be useful to your organisation. I think imbuing that into others is the um, uh, is the is one of the responsibilities of leaders actually I think you know you have to to give them the license give people the head to be able to wherever they're from whatever their background to say look you know you are a valued member of our team or you will be this you know go and show them what you're about and, and don't hold yourself back go and show them what you're about uh, and we'll go from there sure exactly and I guess just to wrap up you're you're stepping onto a, a board position next which is incredibly fantastic so um explain a bit about about that I know you haven't started yet but I guess for the benefit of the listeners um 
you know, I have to be honest, it's a rarity to see a black man on a board. So we have to say, well done to you. And <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah, well, as, as, as part of that, a part of that executive team, I, I suppose it's, it, it was a it was a difficult decision to to you know to 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 make actually because the the company that the, that we currently work for have been fantastic and it's been a been a great time working for them, but I think you know I'd be lying if I said part of that didn't come into the into the um uh into the decision in terms of having the opportunity to to go and you know to help lead an organisation um you know being me looking like me all those sorts of things is did come into it and I think uh I'm just really excited for how you know what that um uh what that means for the influence I can have in the organization essentially that that's 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 key key from my point of view um and again in terms of the you know as I said it was when opportunities come around like this uh there is you know, something deep within inside me that makes me want to say yes. And I think, actually, I knew I was going to move when uh, my mother came to do one of our social distance conversations on the on the uh, on the drive. Um, and my mother's a you know a, a, a very strong Jamaican woman, um, fantastic career that she's had, and really enjoying herself now. Likes to come and see her grandchildren and all those sorts of things. Um, and she said, and she, and we, I think we talked about I talked about an interview that I'd had. Um, and she looked me in the eye and said, you're going to do this, aren't you? And this is like four months before I decided to to, to move. Um, I can see you're going to do this. This is just typical of you. You've seen an opportunity that you think you could do. Um, you might not be 100% ready for it yet, but, you know, you think you've got enough to look, to learn the rest. Um, and, it, and you're really excited about it. I could see it and you're going to do it. Um, and, you know, it, it, and, and, that, and that was it, really. That was the, you know, I, I knew pretty much, not too soon after then that this was something I was probably going to, to take on but in terms of the diversity inclusion bit great you know that's I am more than happy to be to be um to be seen as a uh you know as a black man on a on an executive team of a of, as a, of a you know of a business that we hope will be going and um, doing some great things going forward um and no doubt the rest of the of the board are um we've got some fantastic fantastic people in that organization so I am really looking forward to uh, uh, to pushing on and more challenges and more opportunities and um, uh, a more inclusive team growth. Excellent, really good to hear, and we're excited to see um, what, what comes of it. Yeah, it should be good. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess just to wrap up, as we always do on Frankly Podcast, mm. what would be your three key takeaways for success in life? Oh crikey, um, I suppose uh in no particular order i mean i think learning um and, and, I, and i probably used to would say learn from failure and learning from other people's failures so you know good people learn from their own failures really bright people learn from everybody else's as well um so there's there's that but also but, but i you know the, why i say learn is you learn from your successes as well so when you've done well when you've won when you've grown when you've you know the the learnings that i got from uh building my I suppose that the first practice I was in, involved in, which was the the, the food um, food practice at JLT, um, you know, there were some successes and failures there, but you learn from both, um, uh, and you know, you take those forward and um, uh, and put on. So yeah, don't stop learning, don't stop reading. Um, you know, any chance you get to uh, to speak to somebody who uh, who's been through something, then take it. Um, you know, I've done a lot of because I'm in the garden at the moment. Done a lot of listening to 
to podcasts, including your first one with Armonica, who was brilliant, um, and uh, and others, just to just to help, just to, to to you know build experience via osmosis through other people. Um, so I think learning would be um, every day is a school day would be the would be the first one. Um, I suppose secondly, um, and try and work out why it is you do what you do. <laughs> And that's this is quite a esoteric thing to get your head around, but you know, why do you do what you do? What what makes you happy in your role? What is it that that gets you out of bed? Um, you know, that if you're in a sales role, what's what what's you know the the clients that you really like, or in an advocacy role, the clients that you really like, what is it? What do they have? Because they will have something in common. You know, there will be. And so, for example, I, I remember when I was a bit younger and we, you'd win certain business and you but you'd, you'd not feel right about it not because of anything you'd done just because you just felt that you were importing a bit of a problem or the relationship wasn't quite right these kind of pyrrhic victories that you have and generally speaking it was because you know I knew that the, the team that we just brought in didn't see the, the world in the same way that I did or my team did and that we'd probably have a problem down the road and that led me to to really start to think about okay you know who are the sort of people I, I really want to work with and and who are the people that um who are the types of clients and colleagues who you know have that that same sort of view of the world as I do because um that's that I suppose that understanding of, of why you do what you do helps you going forward helps you make better decisions helps you with um you know things like recruitment and those sorts of things instead of thinking you know, one of the things that that um that I realized uh, when talking about things like unconscious bias and those sorts of things, I looked at the people I'd hired uh, probably about probably seven or eight years ago. And whilst there was, you know, all races, sexes um, uh, and sexual orientation in there, the, 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 the key thing was that they probably all went to Red Brick universities for a start. And you look at yourself and you think, well, I know I'm, I'm, I'm quite open and I don't have these, these biases. Everybody has the biases. Um, and it was a it was a it was a real you know real really opened my mind up to uh to making sure that you you know look at the merits of each individual person so i know i have to work you know something i'm i'm i work on pretty hard now in terms of you know when i'm looking at cvs and looking at hiring and those sort of things but the key thing that i think i won't ever compromise with is is this sort of integrity and the the character of a person and why they do what they do you know, it, that's the thing I'm really trying to get to. So if, and it's very difficult to understand, actually, sometimes. So, you know, mine's all about helping people and collaborating um, and building things. And everybody that, you know, that my closest colleagues are people who are in that sort of mould. Um, and I think if you can understand that about yourself, it's, uh, it does help you to, to pull a pathway through your career. Excellent, thank you. I think we got to, to point two there. Oh, two and three. I suppose networks, building networks as well. So the more diverse, the better. Um, and not just because you're on your podcast, but that's that's those things are those things are key. So having that, uh, and that's diverse in terms of age. You know, I mean, one of the best teams I ever worked in was a was the M and A team at uh, JLT, where we had a septuagenarian. Uh, we had a uh, a Mancunian mother of two. We had myself. Um, we had um, uh, somebody that from a from a Polish background. 
um, and we had your typical London um, broker um, who's, uh, who speaks very well and is, is, is very well to do. Uh, and that was a great team. I mean, crikey, all got on like a house on fire and, and did some did some fantastic work. Um, but yeah, it's about it's about building networks, both internally and externally of, you know, people that you can learn from, people that you can support as well. So sort of mentoring and mentees because that and that's where all of my opportunities have come from from the charity point of view it's where a lot of my clients have come from in terms of um, people saying well you should speak to john because he does x y and z it all should be able to help you um and it's been a lot make, makes things a lot more fun as well you know the um the especially in in birmingham it's like a little village at times there's there's you know a lot of people out there who will support you and help you um uh, and it's you know building building those networks both within your own organization within your industry and within you know the, the wider world of work i think is a is a you know a key way to to not only be successful but to have more fun doing it as well sure thank you very much john and i think your three um key takeaways for success are quite um very very informative um especially the pieces around you know networking and um etc and all of that thank you very much so i guess we'll wrap up there so thank you very much for your time, John. I'll leave um your I guess your LinkedIn in the description. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so I'll leave your LinkedIn in the description. Um and yes, thank you very much for listening, everyone, and we will see you next time. <laughs>